0: You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podcast. And
0: a welcome back. just giants with grump and the cranky fan the best damn podcast for the best damn football team i am your host the football grump with me as always is mike the cranky fan how are you doing cranky
1: uh i took about three naps today grump uh you know got home pretty late after the game Had to get up early for physical therapy uh still pretty tired but um yeah that was something last night uh it was a fun tailgate. It was fun hanging out with everybody. It was fun going into a building that had some juice. But unfortunately, we had to watch the New York football giants. And, you know, I want to start this off Grump by a question I asked you on the last show as we were as we were kind of like prepping for the game and even before our predictions, I said, Do you feel any differently about this team after the first two games? Like all you think we thought about offseason. You know, was it skewed at all? Did you have any second thoughts after those first two games? And we both said no. So after this game, do you still feel the same way like you originally did? Or do you feel any differently?
0: So Giants handed their first loss Monday night to division rival Cowboys 23-16. I don't don't feel any differently. I tweeted right after their win against the Panthers that – Uh, Something along the lines that winning these two games feels a lot like pissing my pants at the bar and still getting laid. I'm going to celebrate it, but I'm not expecting it to be a a hot streak that's going to keep happening. (laughs) That was essentially the point I was trying to drive home, and I, I, I feel that way still. Um, You know, the wins, we were never measuring the season by wins and losses. I'm going to enjoy every single win and I am going to bitch and moan every single loss. Don't get me wrong. But really, truly stepping out of the fan in myself and stepping into this seat with this microphone, with this camera and this wonderful audience, um, really looking at it from an analyst standpoint, this was never going to be measured by wins and losses anyway. It was going to be about progress and, you know, uh, the little things getting better. You know, first of all, identifying which part of this roster is going to stick after this year is a big part of it. So this is a super, super far back view of this team is what's being taken in right now by the powers that be. This is not, you know, a lot of the the, the heavy lifting work right now is beyond week four through week seventeen. You know, Joe Shane is. This is his team now for this year. That is what it is. Now it's analyzing the pieces he has, the deficiencies he has, etc. So the wins are whatever. Um, they're, they're they're fun to cherish. But ultimately, how I feel about this team is generally how I felt going into the season. They're performing roughly at the same level that I was expecting at this point.
1: Yeah, I actually blooply agree with you, Grump, uh, 100%. Um, you know... <laughs> we'll leave it to the hot take artist. all of a sudden, you know, every week do the, the giants are back. The giants are awful. Uh, to me, you're right. It's all about, you know, this first year is evaluation. It's evaluating, you know, current roster. What are the real needs of this team? And unfortunately, as you saw last night, that is not as going to be as easy as just laying them play and say, we need to do this. Like, Cause we're going to talk a lot about Daniel Jones in this game and, you know, which was really kind of a heroic effort. I think what he did, I mean, he was really trying to make chicken salad, out of chicken shit with this offensive line and everything, but it's very hard even to evaluate what works on this team because everything else breaks down so much on it due to the lack of talent, the lack of depth, the way you have to game Franklin around the deficiencies we have. So, you know, Yes, it's almost like playing with a running clock this year. It's just like we're really trying to, as Giant fans, with a big-picture view of this team, we're really looking forward to 2023 and 2024 once Joe Shane um, gets the players that are going to fit these systems and we are a real team. But it's going to be tough, and we just have to live through it and just to avoid that our natural instincts of – you know, getting too low and wanting things to happen too quickly and forcing changes for things where just time is what we need as much as anything else.
0: Yeah. And and before we get into the heroic efforts of any individuals here, um, I want to you know, just quickly mention one one guy that's kind of identified as his future here being really, really possibly just completely over is sterling shepherd unfortunately uh really really unfortunate just kind of walking on the turf and goes down with an acl injury um those of you keeping the turf tally you can count that one definitely suspect uh that's that's the level of nuance i'm looking for picking and choosing which injuries you want to blame on the turf you can pick that one that's fair sure um but but that's a huge blow not only to this year but to to you know to a good guy i think you know we assume he seems mm-hmm. like a good guy definitely a good teammate um and, you know his future whether it's here or other where, uh, other places or if you know if it were here would not have been something that i think after what you've seen thus far if i were to tell you at the end of the season, Pretend he didn't get hurt in this game. That uh, I'm from the future and we re-signed Sterling Shepard. Would you really complain? He's
1: been our most reliable receiver through first uh, three games,
0: without a doubt. Yeah. So it's it's a huge bummer.
1: It's it's the truth. Oh yeah, absolutely. Very. Uh, it's the last thing. For, I mean, first of all, for him, I feel awful. You know, he came back in really warp speed time to come back after a major injury at the end of last year. And, you know, not even a quarter of the year into this year have a, another very significant injury is awful. I, I feel terrible for the guy. But from a, a team standpoint, it's really a position that we desperately need help on. Um, again, to ha- to show any signs of life in this offense, to do any real evaluation on how good Daniel Jones is, he needs receivers and playmakers and not even playmakers – In the sense of, you know, amazing athletes making crazy things, but just basic guys who can catch, who can get any sort of separation, who can run routes, who can maybe block downfield. He's the, you know, the best all around package we had, you know, on the field, and he's gone and he's not coming back this year. So, you know, we got to dig deeper into a pretty shallow well of receivers and, it's going to the problems going to cascade even more down because of
0: that all right so getting into the uh the game itself uh you want to start with defense because uh, i'm going to guess because um they really did not disrupt a uh you know i, I don't know what you want to call them a uh, shaky quarterback situation there they really just, they, yeah, they just really didn't disrupt any of that at all.
1: No. I mean, the hope is when you have a backup quarterback, obviously, you know, not as talented as your starter, but someone who doesn't get most of the normal reps that the starting quarterback does during the week, doesn't get most of the reps during offseason. So you think is tend to be a little rusty. and doesn't have as much experience. So you hope with a defense like ours, with a Wink Martindale defense, getting your two best edge rushers back, You can get in his face and cause confusion and have him make mistakes. Backup quarterbacks have the opportunity, not just that they're going to have as many completions as a starting quarterback, but the potential for making a mistake increases, and we did nothing to help that along. And we gave him time. We gave him comfort. We gave him confidence. And he was able to pick us apart, and that just can't happen.
0: Yeah, Um You know, going through all my farts, I actually don't have a specific defender. I I really didn't give a fart to anybody on defense, but it was a poor collective defensive effort. And I think a lot of it I said in the in the preview that this was going to be mostly a Kellen Moore versus Wink Martindale situation, and not really a Cooper Rush one. Um, And we can get into the merits and pitfalls of that. But regardless of any of that, regardless of Cooper Rush, how he may have performed, how much credit may go to Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore ran a really, really well-balanced attack against Wink Martindale. And that was truly the big problem is without Leonard Williams, we didn't really have enough um, run-stuffers and pass-rusher combo guys like Leonard Williams is that is truly reliable in both situations Um, And so, you know, they were able to run play action when we had heavy sets in and take advantage of that. They had, you know, they took advantage of, you know, just inferior defensive tackles. And that exposed some not very good linebackers doing dumb things like jumping the wrong gaps and leaving wide open holes for people to get, you know, 60 plus yard gains and whatever. Um, The Leonard Williams injury was really crippling when you're playing a team as good as this. Now, just going to... This isn't going to absolve anything, right? Um, You know, the defense collectively didn't play well. They didn't adjust well enough. Um, It just—it was a bad performance all around. Um, But this is a very, very well coached team with their assistants. Kellen Moore is a very talented offensive coordinator, in my opinion, Um, and they really, really, I think. I think the game plan they ran with showed a lot of film work on their part. They knew when to attack HOTS. They knew how to identify blitzes. This was a very quick game they did. And they also took advantage of how much Wink Martindale substitutes, in my opinion. I I have to go back and look, and I will rewatch the game in the All-22. Haven't had time yet. Game was literally last night. Barely slept. But um, I have to see if there was a concentrated up-tempo attack that really kind of inhibited our substitution efforts and just getting lined up. I mean, like guys were coming in fine, but it looked like guys were still getting lined up at the snap at times and they were getting exposed, just not being set and ready overall. uh, I, I think, you know, Kellen Moore really coached a hell of a game and wink Martindale did not.
1: It's really something when, you know, we make fun of the Cowboys all the time, you know, Mike McCarthy, you're, you're no fan of, but they have two excellent coordinators on that team. And uh, they're both probably going to be NFL coaches really soon. Um, it's too bad that – or maybe it's too—it's good news for Giant fans that uh, Jerry Jones has this fixation on uh, Sean Payton to be the next coach of the Cowboys because, you know, if Kellen Moore eventually is going to become a head coach, I'm glad he wouldn't be with this team. Maybe he's somewhere in the AFC West or something where he doesn't bother us because um, you're right. He he definitely outcoached us. Um, it's funny – one of the main reasons people did not like Dave Gettleman was they did not like the Leonard Williams trade. You know the fact they had to pay him so much. You know how much draft capital we gave up. But you know he's one of the most valuable players on this defense, and the run defense suffers when he's not there. I don't know if the numbers in front of me, but it's like we give up like almost a yard a carry more when he's not playing. I think it's more there. than that. I think it's like yeah. almost a
0: yard and a half or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You know the Leonard Williams thing. You know. Dave Gettleman was not good at wheeling and dealing but he was pretty decent in my opinion of identifying talent you know, right I, I'm gonna put that conversation to rest about that I think we can agree that Leonard Williams the player is very important to this team absolutely uh, and, and and a very good player you know certainly a top 100 player in the league at this time so mm-hmm. I you know it was it was a huge you know thing and, and I'm also saying that like wink Martindale didn't coach a good game wink Martindale probably coached about as good a game with this defense that he could with the guys that were hurt you know he's missing a, a corner for starters uh you know they, they kind of had to cut bait with a linebacker at the very end so they have like the shit end of stick of linebackers going on right now they have the, a huge presence on the defensive line wasn't there and then the two edge guys you know were playing hurt this was their first game back and neither one of them looked particularly explosive were they effective in some ways if you watch the reps they looked pretty good hand fighting they were getting fairly close again this was a uh, you know Cooper Rush was not really standing in the pocket to my knowledge for long stretches of time most of the time he had the ball for long stretches of time he was rolling out mm-hmm. uh, it just designed rollouts to keep him moving and other times the passes were just very very fast uh, but but Aziz certainly didn't look like he had his quality first step that he normally does so all that being said I'm not putting a lot of blame on Wink Martindale they were just no. simply outcoached with, with also I'm sorry they're just like a, a better talented team we can admit mm-hmm. that right yeah, they just have a better roster right now. Oh yeah, I mean
1: this is a team that before the before the the universe fell in love with Philadelphia, everybody was pretty much picking Dallas to win the division, I and mean, some people had them going to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, obviously they don't have their starting quarterback, so we will scale that back. Yeah, and- okay, okay.
0: So I was just gonna ask you that. I was gonna let you finish. I'm sorry. Now I'm gonna interrupt you. But okay. um. <laughs> uh, Giants fans maybe are burning down their house uh, in anger over this game and, and losing to Dallas and and you know maybe their performance on the field was was pitiful to the point that they're losing their minds. But I don't think anybody here would have expected this team to win if Dak Prescott were playing in Cooper Rush's place anyway. Uh, so you know the fact that they couldn't stop the quarterback should have been clue enough right from the get go that this game was going downhill pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna just piggyback on that really quickly. I said with the whiteout game and the crowd noise and the crowd involvement on a shitty Monday night against a, a team that does show up in a fan base, no matter what part of the country, they needed to get off to a fast start and harness that crowd energy because it'll dissipate and it fucking vanished in this game. It yeah. really went away. I mean, there were times with third and long in, in, in the middle of the game. Uh, close game, you know, tied or whatever. I'm telling the, are we are we here or not? It's third and long. Nobody's standing up. Nobody's cheering. Nobody's nothing. So, they didn't get off to a fast start, and it it starts with the defense, in my opinion. So, to, to, and it to wasn't your point. that
1: you know while we're behind, it was just nothing was really happening. It was just kind of a a blah game. It was almost an extension of the of the Sunday night game that that Forty Nine er game we had to suffer through.
0: Yeah. Um. I, I, I kind of want to flip this to special teams. You got any more points on defense?
1: No, I think we covered everything. I mean, you're just seeing, again, how razor thin this uh, this roster is. And when a Williams is out, you know, teams can run on us. And, uh, you know, the upgrades, nothing surprised us against playing a good team that we hadn't figured all off season. So, again, we have to live through this season and get better with more talent.
0: Yep. A hundred percent. Um on the special team side, I'm not gonna dwell on this for a long time because I don't really care about special teams, but I'm gonna hand out a star. Graham Gano. I don't have a lot of stars to hand out, but I, I can't not give one to the only reliable offense this team has. It, you know would have made all of his kicks, probably. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the point for the blocked one. On the flip side, I'm gonna hand out a fart to literally every special teams unit member besides the specialists themselves. <laughs> the blocked field goal, I, I, you know, normally when there's a blocked field goal, shit happens. One guy made a minor mistake that a, you know, a, an important player on the other team just took advantage of, and they got a finger on it. That did not happen in this blocked field goal. Like no. four guys did not block all on one side. Right. I, it was horrendous. It was unacceptable. Unacceptable! And what the fuck did I say about kicking to Cavante Turpin and just dicking around in general on special teams? We did a pop kickoff that it's basically silly. gave the Cowboys possession around their forty-yard line. We just handed it to them, and then they 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 punted to Turpin late in the game. Huge return! Just the, the, kick it the fuck
1: out of the bounds. The rules are I, set up in this league. They don't want kickoffs. They don't want punt returns. They want you just to kick it out of the back of the end zone. Just yep. You know, Kick it to the, to the third row, and let's just start our play. I don't understand why coaches try to get too cute or, or try to overthink it. It's very simple.
0: I, look, I get it. It was a team that needs a spark. They got a spark on special teams last week. They had pretty good special teams last, last week, um, You know, forcing fumbles when needed, You know, etc. I get – but is John Fossil still the coach, the special teams coach for Dallas? I don't know. I'm almost positive. I'm going to look that up right now. But if I'm right – John Fossil is a good special teams coach. Like one of the best in the league. Um, so I'm going to Google that right now so I don't feel like an idiot. <laughs> I'm looking it up. Um, it is John Fossil. I am correct. And uh, yeah, this was not the game to dick around. I know what you're trying to do. But you know, also that pop kick was earlier on in the game. I, I'm just not a fan. You know, There are certain times – where uh, I don't think it's called for, and when the other team has a really good returner, and this special teams unit showed one good week and one horrendous week, you're really counting on them to to spark something. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it just it, it is such a boomer bust move to do something like that. Right. You want to flip it to offense? You want to give me your offensive let's spiel?
1: Let's get to offense. Let's go uh, for it. Let's talk about it. So you know. Unfortunately, you know, especially whenever the Cowboys are involved, you know, this is hot take central. And, you know, the, the hot take coming out was, you know, Cooper Rush outplayed Daniel Jones. And, you know, we had a pretty good uh, debate, Grump and I, on the train home of what does that actually mean? And, you know, first of all, you know, to his point, which is, is 100% true, this is not Federer versus Nadal. You know, these are not quarterbacks going after each other and competing directly against each other. They have nothing to do with each other. It's, you know, one quarterback running his offense against another team's defense and vice versa. And, you know, it's very, very, very hard to evaluate the quality of a quarterback when he's constantly running for his life, when he has receivers who can't get open, who has receivers who can't catch. So if you think that Cooper Rush outplayed Daniel Jones... Congratulations. Good for you. But it's impossible to analyze that. And it's also stupid, too. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. I mean, we are trying to make a decision about Daniel Jones. And, again, it's it's almost an impossible thing to do with the middle of a line, your guards in your center who are just open sesame, come on in, You know, rush the quarterback every time you can, get him – to run for his life almost every single play. It's possible when you have receivers who are just not doing anything, you know, or aren't running routes, you know, very exotic routes. They're not getting open. They're not getting separation. They're dropping balls. I mean, Kenny Galladay. Where's Kenny Galladay? Where's Kenny Galladay? Finally on the field. There he is. Drops a drops a key pass. It's unacceptable. It's just, and it just you know, it it just goes down to my thesis about Daniel Jones where. You know, this team has so many holes, and there's this rebuild is going to take a while. It's going to take draft picks. It's going to take money. It's going to take free agents. It's going to take trades, everything. That, you know, he's a great guy, Daniel Jones. He seems like he's a leader. He played with a lot of heart last night, a lot of guts. You know, he has that Eli quality of just being a quiet leader. But this roster is just not ready for him in the next step for that next contract. And, you know, he may go on somewhere else and uh, with a better cast of characters, be a pretty competent quarterback in this league might even be a pro baller someday. Who knows? Uh, Probably not, but he'll have a much better shake on another team. He's not going to get it on this team. And with the cost to keep him is going to slow down the development of everything else that's needed on this team. So, to me it's not a question of is he good or bad is he play well or not is it a a fair shake or not that he can play up to what we think he can do this is this year is the end of the road for him and they have to move on I'm I'm sorry Daniel but circumstances sometimes are are, are a bitch and this is one example of that
0: Yeah I'm not going to I'm not going to dive fully into the Daniel Jones conversation just yet, but I'm not going to disagree with any of that. Because first I want to get into the cast of characters for this game. Mm-hmm. I, I you know, if I had an award to give Daniel Jones in this game, I would probably piggyback off of you, but I I just I felt like his performance was somewhat ungradable on a on a true scale because he you know, uh, yeah. you know, he definitely showed determination. He really truly did his fucking best with what he could there's no doubt about that i could give him a star just for that i didn't because i don't give out stars for shit like that um but you know he might have made some mistakes there's just no fucking way to tell um so let's get into the let's get into the circumstances why we can't even give him a, a damn award um I will start with the only other star I have to give out is Andrew Thomas because he's the only offensive lineman who showed up to this game, which is to say that the other four linemen played badly. Mm-hmm. Um, Thomas played a – I don't think it was a shutdown game, but it was a really solid game on the left side. It's unfortunate for him that he's the only one that did show up because uh, even if one other guy really truly had a solid game, might have been something that he could hang his hat on, was part of a win. Um Other than that, I could give farts to every single member of that offensive line, but they all had up-and-down performances and moments, in my opinion. Evan Neal, on the other hand, absolutely has earned his first fart. Now, if those of you who are listening are newer to the show, I'm not being harsh. I give out awards as I give them out. It's okay. I've given rookies farts in week one. It doesn't mean I'm boom or bust on anybody. It just means I'm grading a performance for a game. Um, so it is what it is, and Evan Neal played badly. Um, well,
1: we know about Evan Neal that he has to work on his pass blocking. That's no surprise. We, yeah, that was the thing coming out of college. You know, he, he is a top five, top six pick because he is an animal in run blocking, and we knew that part had to develop. And, you know, he's, you know, the day one right tackle starter. He's going to go in there. He's going to just have to learn and just play, experience, play, play. Training camps, you know, blah, 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 just to get better. So we're going to have to kind of live with it, unfortunately. But it, it's magnified when, you know, your right tackle, your your center, your left uh, – I'm sorry, your right guard, your center, your left guard are doing nothing to help him.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, it is, it is what it is. This is going to be a growing pain for him. He's not there yet, and it definitely showed a lot of stopped feet and mm-hmm. pass protection. A yeah. lot of stopped feet. Jones was sacked something like five times. It was actually more than that. I think it was six. One was wiped out due to a penalty downfield. Um, 12, and,
1: Twelve hits or hurries?
0: I think, I it, was think it, was like, it was something like 12 quarterback hits. The pressures yeah. were like 150. Um, and not, not for nothing, but on a final drive, down by only a touchdown, on a final drive, Evan Neal got a false start. Now, I don't think we were really marching down the field and getting a touchdown. But really, it's one broken tackle, and it could have happened. Mm-hmm. So... It doesn't really matter what I think and how, how good they were playing up until that point. One broken tackle, one weird tip of the ball, and a touchdown could happen, but it can't if you're punting. Right. Um, so, Evan Neal, I'm sorry, you get a fart. And, and, you know, when we're talking about these pressure numbers and shit for Jones, there's, um, you know, because this is all going to stem back to an inability to evaluate Jones in this game. A lot of times pressures are graded because guys are kind of fighting their way towards a quarterback. It was like these were free rushers with yeah. linemen running after them behind them. It, this, this was not like an breaks. arm reaching at Jones. This was a, a man in full sprint at Daniel Jones. Every, like not every play, but it was frequently. This was not like just like there were just stretches heavy play. Where it, it was literally like, a sprint.
1: Yeah, it felt there were stretches where it felt like every play in a series was him running
0: for his life. It, it, there were stretches where that was absolutely happening. Um, mm-hmm. That that was not a mirage. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of what we're talking about with the offensive line situation and what Daniel Jones had to deal with on the receiver side. I have one more fart to give out. And it's somebody who already mentioned. It's Kenny Galladay. This is a dude who... I don't know why Brian Dable sat him. I don't know if it's because they don't like him. I don't know if it's because Joe Shane doesn't like the contract and wants him out of here and they want to frustrate him. I don't know if it's just because he's not performing. I don't know if it's because he has a bad attitude or he's not showing it in practice. But for whatever reason, this was a week where he was sat intentionally. He had an opportunity to show shit in practice allegedly he did according to jordan renan i believe or somebody um and he goes out here and he's oh for three yeah he didn't really look great two of those drops one was on fourth down at the end of the second quarter that ended a drive where they were at about midfield drop drop definitely his fault definitely would have been a first down second one drop on third and long in the fourth quarter not definitely would have been a first down, but it appeared very likely he was going to get a first down. Two of the most key drops you could make. Mm-hmm. He had all that week, and it, 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 I don't have a problem with him saying what he said. It's it's fine for a big star like that to be frustrated with being sat or just be frustrated in general. But when you say I should be playing regardless, that's not true because this is a reason you should not be playing. You
1: better produce. Yeah. I mean, it's just a weird thing if, you know, you're trying to create a a trade market for the guy, you know, not playing him, frustrating him. That doesn't seem the way to kind of increase his value and it increases productivity on the field. But that's neither here nor there. He was on the field. He had opportunities to make key plays. And, you know, this fan base is a harsh fan base, but it's also a forgiving fan base, you know, A couple of key catches. He catches that third down. He catches that fourth down one. He'll be cheered pretty, pretty highly. And, you know, it would be water under the bridge. But, you know, now he's getting into the Evan Ingram zone of getting Giants
0: fans want the $70 million man to be a $70 million man. Trust me. They
1: want to win. Yeah. (laughs) At the bottom line is if you're contributing to helping this team win, you know, the Giant fan wants to win so badly that winning – is the bigger objective to them over everything else, whether it's the rebuild or whatever. It's just, we need to win this game tonight. They're just tired of losing. And, you know, off-season talk of, you know, signing guys for big money, you have expectations that you are going to help us win. And when you do things to fuck us up, they're not going to like that one bit. You give in some attitude issues. So you could have turned that around so quickly, which is something as simple as catching the damn ball Couldn't do it. So I don't know where this is going to go with him, where this spirals. But uh, once you're in that that doghouse that deep, it's very, very difficult to come out of it.
0: The Giants officially have a Kenny Galladay situation. This is no longer just like an issue that they they try. I think they they really tried to alleviate the situation by like, you know, kind of like prodding them a little bit, get them Mm -hmm. to go out there and produce. And he went out there and just shit the fucking bed.
1: And, And let's um, do something really quickly, because you know I get confused by this quite a bit, and I'm sure a lot of you do also. It's not as easy as simply cutting him, or it's not as simple as easy as just, well, let's just trade him for a draft pick. the the The, the deb cap money is a significant problem because this team is so butting up against the the salary cap that, you know the, his number is enormous, and you have to clear that number. Keep it within this salary cap where you can make a move for him this year. So it's very, very difficult unless you know they can work out some sort of deal where they're paying a significant chunk of that salary. And I, I don't know what kind of market. I know there's teams out there that may need a receiver or two. You know they're not looking at Kenny Galladay as you know in that number and the production. Quite frankly, that anybody's going to have any market for him. So we're stuck with him. I'd be shocked if for some reason they're able to work out anything. He's on this roster for this year for sure.
0: Oh, yeah. Um. I don't think that this is an ideal scenario. I think <laughs> they, they – I mean – I think that maybe there was a chance that they were looking to get rid of him anyway and do this method of paying some of his salary and also dumping him. But that requires him to produce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one's trade. I could see a scenario in which – and also for the record, I think they didn't want to have to be up against this wall with him so early in the year. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think that they would want to trade this dude closer to the trade deadline when, when teams realize, oh, you know – we just need somebody, you know, because, you know, A.J. Brown is hurt, you know, or whatever. He's out for the year. But, you know, if we just get somebody similar, you know, I don't know. I pulled a name out of the hat. You, you get know my what point. Team- they just, like, hope for the right situation. A team making a run can just add somebody. But they're not going to take on that fucking contract. The Giants will dump him. They'll pay him some of his salary. And they'll right. do whatever with that money. You know, I-, I think they were waiting a little later in the year to even exercise that thought.
1: Yeah, so, well, I mean, you would think so, but that's the case. You know, why would you instigate everything so early on with not playing him and all this other stuff? Well, that's I mean, what I was.
0: I, I truly think they were trying to pull something out of him, trying to get yeah. him moving a little bit. And it, I don't necessarily know or think that it made it the opposite effect. I'm not really sure. I don't know the guy or know enough about him. Um, yeah, but it didn't work. I can tell you that.
1: And can we stop with the Odell talk, please, again? Oh my God! Can we can we please? I mean, first
0: of all, like people are cheering for a guy coming off of an ACL injury for starters. That's one. That is number one. That people are just like that. There's a reason he's not signed anywhere. Like it's 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 not as simple as like oh this is a really talented guy just showing at home because he feels like it.
1: I mean, number one, he's coming off a major injury. Number two, he's been traded away from two teams because he's unworkable. I mean, the guy has been forced. He's forced his way off of two teams already. And number three, you think he's coming here for the minimum?
0: Yeah, the money ain't right.
1: He's Odell Beckham Jr. And now he's Super Bowl winner Odell Beckham Jr. He's an island on himself. He's not giving any hometown discount to a team that he played for two teams ago and traded him away. He's coming here for a business decision, if anywhere. So, and fourth we're talking about culture. We talk about developing, you know, the way that Brian Dable, the way that Joe Shane wants to have this team, you know, that's the last guy I want to help develop a culture. You know, the a me first guy who's going to be a constant prima don and a constant problem. So I know all you guys are, you know, the giants have sucked for so long that he's the one beacon in, you know, the decade of mediocrity and he's your guy, he's your Camelo Anthony, but there is no use for him on this team, practically or otherwise. So turn the page on it, and let's move forward.
0: Giants fans forever looking backwards for solutions to right now.
1: Sure. That's what happens when you have no recent past, and you just you cling on to whatever made you happy in your quote-unquote glory years. And for, you know, a generation of Giant fans, their glory year was that little stretch with, with Beckham and they' making the playoffs to so that, you know, That Green Bay game.
0: Well, I'll say this much for Giants fans. Um, This is not a duo, I don't think, Brian Dable and uh, Joe Shane, that is going to not have a superstar at wide receiver in their ideal world. Um, They went out and they got Stephon Diggs for Josh Allen. I don't Mm -hmm. know if they're going to get it in this offseason because they so desperately need it or if they're going to get it when they get their quarterback, which, you know, we'll— I guess because we can move into the Daniel Jones conversation in just a second from my point of view. Yeah. Um, But I don't know if it's going to be, it's going to be one of those two times, but you know, they went out and they got Stefan Diggs because they, they know what that does. This is, this is a, you know, I believe a philosophy overall that just likes athletes. So I don't think that they're, they're benching guys like Kadarius, Tony, because they don't (laughs) <laughs> they they prefer the less athletic guys in their team. I don't really know what's going <laughs> on there other than what we've already talked about. But they, they do like the guys that get into space and move around. So Agreed, yes. Um. I, I think they will make a move for a current NFL star at some point at wide receiver. That's they have
1: to, to, to build, build a foundation of this house before you get the 90-inch color TV. And, you know, right now we're talking about getting the expensive accessories in your house when— we don't really have four walls yet and we have a leaky roof. Those things have to be addressed first before you can start getting all the, you know, the specialty items, you know, that, that top wide receiver where you can use draft capital, future draft capital that you don't need right now because you've developed your foundation. We're not there yet. We're not even close to that yet, but every year those guys do become available. So it's not like if you don't get your quarterback, next year in the draft that you will never ever get a quarterback if you don't get that wide receiver that's available now someone else will be out there sooner or later so again it's it's more about stressing patience and you know we're not pulling our all our chips in in, in this off season.
0: and uh now i'm gonna since we're since we're talking about it i'm gonna get into my my jones thing here is um I don't really know if he performed at an optimal level, a good level, a medium level, a bad or a terrible level last night. Although I'm pretty sure it was not a terrible level. I, can, I think no. I can say that uh, with conviction. Um, but it is just impossible to say. I mean, there, there, there's people next to me screaming that David Sills is wide open. And, and on certain plays, they might be right. Um, and on other plays, they might be right. But that play is it's just that side of the field, it's over now. It's over now because shit just disappeared on that side of the field, and now we're running this way. Sorry. It doesn't really matter that David Sills is open because we're not throwing 70 yards across the field. Nobody to is. To the no other sideline. And, and right. nobody should either. Exactly. That, that, that is not open. Um, but this is not—I'm not trying to critique other Giants fans. I'm just saying, you know— it, it, there are times where maybe he didn't. Maybe he rolled out to his right because he's more comfortable. There's other times I don't really—I mean, shit is falling down all around him. I don't blame him for running in any direction. Um, I do think that some decision-making things were a little bit better with him last night. Uh, he was able to keep his eyes down. He was running forward towards the line of scrimmage, stepping up in the pocket, throwing before the line of scrimmage. His running, I thought, looked—I mean, I think we can agree on that. He ran really well.
1: I think that's night. the best— I've seen him run in his four years with the Giants. And yeah, not, he didn't have not
0: the... not really any of them were planned runs. Like in the, when we say like he had that long touchdown, those are like those are like RPO, right. Those zone, are highlight things plays, but and whatever. These they were, were they were this was all decision making, right?
1: They were smart decisions. They were decisive decisions, and they were smart running. He kept himself out of harm's way with almost every run. You know, he knew when to go out of bounds. He knew when he can cut back in to get a few extra yards. Um, I, I just thought overall that was, if if he is ever to you know become the quarterback, we hope he could be someday. And if he's ever on this team, that component of his game makes him very dangerous as a quarterback. It
0: makes and I him think a he's pain in the ass to scheme against. Sure. Um, you know, um, and this isn't going to be in complete defense of him because he threw some really dangerous balls he you know intentional grounding he just kind of chucked over his head i'm not blaming him for that i'm just saying it was not some squeaky clean aaron Rodgers game where he has nobody helping him um but look my my real thoughts here on daniel jones based on what i've seen is that he doesn't have an it factor he can't take this game with this shitty cast and win the way that five guys in the league maybe can and so,
1: and not only the shitty cast this this coaching staff is scheming an offense around that shitty cast, so oh yeah, you're not seeing the true offense that this coaching staff would ultimately de- deploying if we had a competent offensive line. We had weapons on the outside. We had a quarterback who was completely confident in everything. So it's not just the players; it's you know a coaching staff that, it, and we're not saying that's the wrong thing to do, but they are kind of being hamstrung by the talent they have. To fully employ their offense,
0: I, I just I thought Jones played a, a fearless game last night, and mm-hmm. he didn't make any glaring mistakes. The, the interception counts for literally nothing. I'm not even sure. I you know having rewatched the game, I didn't focus on it, but I don't think Trayvon Diggs played a good game. I have to rewatch, but you know he had the pass breakup on the no, he didn't actually. Um, he might have had maybe one pass breakup. He had the pick, which was basically just David Sills laying on the ground. So, mm-hmm. con- no, um, <laughs> Star for you, buddy. But he whiffed trying to undercut two routes that mm-hmm. Jones laced to throw in there underneath him. So there was some good. There were some things that looked like they're bad. I, I didn't watch the All-22 yet. There might be more. Um, overall, I can't really grade that. I can't really do anything other than, you know, Daniel Jones, I, I'm really sorry that Dave Gettleman fell in full bloom love with you because, to be honest, your time here was probably doomed right from that moment. Um, you know, and you know, I don't know anything about him. I'm sure he's a good dude, he seems like a good dude, maybe a dweeb, but um, that's okay. Um, (laughs) it's just a victim, it is what it is. He's a victim of circumstance. The time really ran out because, to be honest with you, with only this year, there was no way. By by the way, this is what I was building up to. I got lost in my thoughts there. (laughs) With only this year left of his contract, there was no impetus for Joe Shane that would be financially irresponsible for him to give him the fifth year deal the fifth year on his the option it would have been irresponsible you know maybe it would have worked out but it would have just been a shot in the fucking dark if Joe Shane did that so yeah. they have one year to try and decide if Daniel Jones is the future of this team that has like one or two players dude do they even have two players on offense that I guess that, that are going to be here for the long haul. They have the very two few players. Yeah, the two tackles. Wandale Robinson is here for a little bit at least. Josh Zudu is here for a little bit. It's very, very bare. What we know is de- definitely going to be here in the future. And on defense is kind of the same story. They had this one year to try and evaluate this. And I can't even evaluate this one fucking game. It's the the first game mm-hmm. where they really played a good defense. I can't even tell. All I can tell is that he tried his damnedest. He made yeah. some good decisions, some bad ones, and he took it like a champ because he He's got a, buried last night. He's a placeholder,
1: unfortunately. He's a placeholder for this team. You know, he's adequate for what the grand scheme of this team is. He's not a uh, he's not a from he's not a Mike Glennon who has absolutely zero offensive line and zero weapons. He's more he's competent than that. He'll keep this team from being god 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 awful. But, you know, unfortunately this is, you know, and if they did pick up that option, it would not be much better next year because a lot of that money that'd be given to him could be allocated towards other needs on this team, which are far more glaring than quarterback are. So we have a quarterback on this roster who will most likely be another stop cap for next year, unless they fall in love with somebody in the draft and Unless this season falls apart and we have our pick of who we want, um, I know you don't want to hear that. You just have to have patience.
0: Um, that's depressing, and uh, I don't blame any of you if you're if you're upset by that. Just, but I mean, it's it's almost a fact at this point. Um, we were kind of having a debate. I don't want to get into it, but we were talking internally. You know, you and me, and I think other people at the tailgate. You know, shout out to those of you who that was awesome. Cool, Mm -hmm. meeting all of you. I know your names. I'm just not gonna say them out loud on the air. I don't know if that's weird or not, but a little uh, weird. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I just I don't know. I don't know if they want their spot blown up. That's all. Um, (laughs) but you know, we were discussing, you know, what it what he even has to show in order to earn another contract here, and we couldn't even decide amongst ourselves how to even measure it. So yeah, you know, whatever. But I will I will switch it from that depressing fact to. A little bit of positivity, and I'll say that I am – this this team, this roster that we're watching, most of these guys aren't going to be – the guys we're complaining about not – that shouldn't be here, they're not going to be here in the long haul. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the guys we're complaining about, they'll be switched over and this team will get better. But this year, even this year, this team is going to get better, and I'm seeing it already, um, believe it or not. And it has to do with like a lot of the adjustments that are happening at like halftime. You know, the Giants kind of – Offensively, they did come out in the second half with adjustments that seemed to work. You know, they definitely they they scored a touchdown in the second half was not a coincidence. Some things Mm -hmm. were working. They definitely noticed some things. It seems to be that Mike Kafka kind of has the the scripted drives done pretty well. He's good at analyzing what is happening and how to fix it. Maybe he's not doing it fast enough that you know. But but maybe you know also the roster isn't ready to be doing in game adjustments. You know, as they get acclimated together when people get healthy i think we're going to see this coaching staff and those of you who are looking at this team from the long haul point of view i think you're going to start to like what you see from the pieces that we know for sure are going to be here for a while like brian dable etc yeah i'll put it that way
1: yeah i completely agree uh i think the framework you're seeing is the, the foundations being laid for what this offense can do and it's you know adjustments and things but again you're hamstrung by what this offense can actually do execution-wise, through talent, through depth, through all these different things. So, you know, you don't want to punt on a season and be like, well, we're not going to do what we really want to do. We We don't have the players to do it. You're going to roll out, you know, your schemes, your play calling, your adjustments. And if these guys aren't, you're going to learn right away who's a player, who's not a player in it. And it's going to look ugly. But it's part of that, you know, phase one evaluation process with live bullets you know, in real-life game scenarios. Um, And the other thing for this year is just enjoy Saquon Barkley while we have him. Because I don't know if he's going to be back next year. My thought is he's probably not. But while he's here, he's fun. And when he gets, you know, he makes a move and he's gone, that brings some real juice. More juice than a Tiki Barber ever did. You know, he had some of those games and towards the end of his career, he's having 200 yards and big runs, but it's like an Aaron judge Homer when he gets loose and, you know, has these long runs for touchdowns. There is a genuine spark in that building and it's fun. So again,
0: borderline, borderline star candidate for this game. Um, Sure. That touchdown run was a lot of him doing work, but in general, I think of that drive, they kind of had him on their heels. The big thing for me was a drop pass. I think on either the first drive or second drive, Man, was he open with space? Mm-hmm. But whatever, mm-hmm. yeah. But I agree with you. Enjoy him; he's very fun. It was, you know, especially fun with the, you know, the towels. You know, the Penn State kid is this upside down? Probably. Who cares? going <laughs> to use it to wipe my ass. But um, you know, that was definitely cool. I'm glad for him personally. He got to not just score a touchdown in this game, but truly run it in a in a very Saquon fashion,
1: especially. Right? with a defense that is scheming to stop him. The defenses, you know, from now until the end of time or at the end of this season, are going to be geared to stopping him and making Daniel Jones beat them. And it's his job is going to be tougher and tougher every week. So when you see him getting loose, you know, that's a tribute to him and his, you know, his talents.
0: I have no more notes on this game. Anything you want to uh, add?
1: I want to thank the giants for the first two weeks to make that an event again. Okay. It was giants, Cowboys. It was Monday night. The place was rocking for a while, you know, as you know, um, it was fun to be relevant again. It was a fun atmosphere. Um, now let's see what happens next week playing Chicago.
0: And we will be back Friday morning. Um, on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, etc., cetera, uh, with our preview podcast for that Chicago game, which is 1 o'clock on Sunday at Matt Life. Um, so we will see you all there. In the meantime, in the couple of days in between, I know this is a late episode, uh, but in the two days in between, you can follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump, at the cranky fan, and we will see you all Friday. Go Giants. go Giants.